be sure of yourself and reframe your thinking to where it's not trial and error, but it's trial and inevitable success. Mm -hmm. Once you have your focus on what you're doing and your goals and your goal for your business or your startup, that conviction will allow you to see whatever error or mistake you make along the road as a lesson to be learned towards that inevitable success. So I would just have, if I was speaking to someone, I would just let them know that everything is trial and inevitable success. There is no errors. There is no mistakes, only lessons to be learned. So keep progressing and don't expect perfection. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and uh, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, O'Neill McBockwe, if I can say this, that's as close as I'm going to get to it. Um, but O'Neill uh, grew up in Dallas, Texas and went to Baylor University and got a mechanical engineering and, and uh, went into and also into pre-med. I think it was in the third year of school, dropped out of pre-med because he found out he wasn't passionate about it. I um, realized he liked the analytic, uh, analytics uh, more than medicine. So graduated in 2018, went and worked for, I think, Samsung for microprocessors, uh, was there for a couple of years. Um, that, or when he graduated, he kind of knew that uh, nine to five or serves a purpose, but wasn't his long time or goal. So with that began to do real estate investing, also found some mentors, including his aunt that helped him get into that. Started on the whole sites or wholesale side, wasn't as passionate about the wholesale side, but it gave him some good experience after doing wholesale for a couple side or a couple uh, years, shifted over to uh, rentals and uh, or to hold rentals, make money off of those. And also has gotten into a little bit into podcasting. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Devin. Thanks for having me. So I gave this kind of the brief run through of a, a much longer journey and I condensed it into 30 seconds. So let's go back a little bit in time to um, growing up in Dallas uh, and going to Baylor University and how your journey started there. Yeah, so I was born in Dallas, Texas, specifically Coppell. I was raised with four of my siblings and growing up, it was always, I was always interested in how money works, you know, mm. how people make money and how people accumulate and save and invest. So mm. from a young age, I could just remember myself anytime I would make money, I would literally save it or just take care of it like it was a child, like literally I would be ironing it and just being so fascinated with how money works. Uh, so that really was the starting phase of me being interested in entrepreneur entrepreneurship and uh, just making something for myself. Now, I had the opportunity to go to school in Nigeria for uh, about two and a half years from middle school to the beginning of high school. And that gave me the opportunity, first of all, to get a different perspective on culture and how different societies work. But it also gave me uh, it made me grateful for what I was leaving when I arrived in Nigeria. Um, when I came back from Nigeria, my mindset was like, all right, everything that is here can't be taken for granted. So I'm just going to do what I can to the best of my ability and proceed from there. 
So moving with that mindset, I was able to graduate from high school, uh, went to school, uh, university at Baylor University, and started off with mechanical engineering with a pre-med discipline. And mm-hmm. the reason I did that was just because growing up in my household, it was either you're a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, or we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't choose between pre-med and mechanical engineering. So I chose to do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to my third year in Baylor, at Baylor, I decided to drop pre-med because as you said, I had no passion for it. Um, and that, in that stage, it started making sense that, all right, I need to gather what my passions are and move forward because I was already a senior in college. I was getting ready to graduate and move into the, the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I graduated in 2018 uh, with a degree in mechanical engineering, and I was able to get a job at Samsung Austin Semiconductor. So that's where I am currently right now working as a mechanical engineer where I do a bunch of data analysis, um, troubleshoot equipment, and just make sure the manufacturing process of semiconductor chips is completed uh, successfully and efficiently. Um, Now, before I started working. Now, one question just out of, or diving back just a bit into your journey, and we'll get into Samsung, but as you're going through, you you know, going through school, you know, you get into pre-men, you know, and you kind of, you know, mentioned that, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of different families that, hey, you know, a doctor, a, a lawyer, an attorney, a um, dentist, you know, some of those, you know, traditional professionals or, or what, you know, kind of have envisioned for their kids because it has the appearance of success. And mm-hmm. so that's oftentimes where it's pushed. But now as you get in there, how did you kind of, when you just, or when you figured out, hey, pre-med is probably not for me. It's not what excites me. It's not what drives me or makes me, you know, excited to get up in the morning. How did you kind of decide where to go or kind of what to go into at that point? Yeah. So when I decided that I didn't want to continue with pre-med. Um, I was already like pretty far ahead in my college career. So I either could re redirect what my whole degree was and stay a bit longer or just graduate with my degree in mechanical engineering. Mm. But that was my decision in just letting go of pre-med and just finishing off with a mechanical engineering degree with not going forward with pre-med it was all of a matter of time i felt like a lot of time would be committed to something that i wasn't very passionate about and Mm. yeah i can make a lot of money or i can make a good income as a doctor have a good reputation but i'm understanding that there's more ways than that you know there's more ways than just going to pre-med getting a high paying salary Mm. and then living a life like you can be fulfilled in what you're actually passionate about and have that pay you as well so why not take the time to do it while i'm at this age and by the time i would have graduated to be a doctor which was probably 32 Mm -hmm. now you know when i'm 32 in seven years who's to say i won't be doing what i want and making money off of it that's right no, that definitely makes sense. So now you you graduated 2000, you know, made that shift, graduated 2018. And then, as you mentioned, you went into um, Sam, you went to work for Samsung, did some uh, microprocessors, and you've mm-hmm. been there for a couple of years. Now, you also mentioned, in addition to that, you're saying, hey, you know, 
nine to five serves its purpose. It's not necessarily a long-term goal. Still want to do my own thing. Want to be able to continue to grow and expand and, you know, be able to have some control and be able to um, do that. So how did that, you know, I get, was that always a plan when you graduated? Hey, I'm going to work the nine to five. It serves its purpose, but I also have long-term goals. Was that kind of something you knew coming out of school? Was it something you figured out as you're working or kind of how did, how did that uh, factor into your journey? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So when I graduated and knew that I was going to be working nine to five, at first, I wasn't in the mindset that it's serving its purpose. I was in the mindset of, I need to hurry up and get out of here. Like, this mm. sucks. You know, I hate having a boss. I, didn't even, I haven't even had a boss yet. And I was like, I hate having a boss just because, you know, it's what I heard around me. But when I was able to sit in the position that I was in and see everything that's come of it, it made me understand that it's serving its purpose. And let me embrace it and continue to let it serve its purpose until I move to the next thing. And with having a 95, it's also given me the opportunity to dive into other things, um, mm. especially real estate. Um, that's been something that has been embedded in my mind for a couple of years now due to my aunt, who's a real estate investor. And real estate is a great way to build wealth right? Mm -hmm. So what I started to do while I was off my nine to five was wholesale. And basically what wholesaling is, what is you get a property under contract and you sell that contract to an end buyer or investor and you mm -hmm. make a spread off of it. So in my journey with wholesaling while working a nine to five, I was able to one, find mentors who helped me and uplift my real estate IQ. And two, mm -hmm. I was able to make additional income from my nine to five. And three, it allowed me to save enough money to put a payment on my first investment property. And mm -hmm. uh, just going through different stages in my entrepreneurial journey, I understand that everything is serving its purpose. Like, having a job, giving me income, serving its purpose, because it allows me to venture off into other things that I'm truly interested in. Mm. Uh, so, so now, yeah. so now you have kind of that, Hey, you know, figure out it serves a, or that serves a purpose, you know, that, you know, you can continue to do the nine to five, chase your dreams, kind of do one as, you know, it's always kind of, you know, people say it's a side hustle. I always look at it. It's really more of a second full-time job because it's as much work or more work to do the side hustle or the, as it is to do the full-time job, but you get into that and you started out, I think you said in, in wholesaling of, um, of real estate and then transitioned over more into the rental business. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So maybe what made you decide, you know, what made you decide again to get into wholesale and then what, uh, what, what caused the transition over into the, um, the rental business? Yeah. So what caused me to get into wholesaling was I felt like it was the easiest way for me to transition into the real estate industry. Mm. And it allowed me to learn more about real estate and it forced me out of my comfort zone to where I was now making calls every day to both sellers and new investors. And in doing that, it allowed me to expand my network of real estate investors. And some of those relationships are still being um, nurtured today and still being, um, still being in effect today. So with wholesaling, it's allowed me to first learn a lot about real estate, 
um, see different aspects of real estate, like multifamily and rentals and um, uh, industrial. And three, learn how to network and to maintain a network. Hmm. So now, so now, you, and, I, and I think that definitely makes sense to kind of say, one is, I think it seems like it's, there's kind of a, a common thread throughout a lot of your journey of, hey, I'm going to get the experience, or, you know, experience in different areas, whether it's a nine to five, or gives me a bit of financial basis, gives me some experience out in the working world, as well as it allows me to you then pursue, you know, some of the other things and passions and dreams. So then you, you do that for a period of time with also getting into real estate and say, okay, wholesale may not be where I want to be in the end, but it gives me the opportunity to get some experience. And again, kind of build on top of that. And then you get into the, the the, um, into the rental side of the business. So, um, and then I think you also mentioned kind of in addition to that, you're starting to get into a bit of podcasting. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I am. So that started at the end of last year. Um, I'm always, I'm always a fan of like using my voice for mm -hmm. creativity, for information and education and having a podcast allowed me to have a little outlet you know there's a podcast that i have called master of one and it basically talks about my journey about what i'm going through and how though i juggle and balance different things at the end of the day i'm the master of one which is myself so mm -hmm. everything that i'm doing is in my hands and everything is my choice um initially it was just for you know my legacy you know one day i'll pass and it'll be for my grandkids or whatever and mm -hmm. then someone from brazil just hit me up and was just like thank you so much for what you're doing i've been listening to your podcast for some time some now and it let me know that it was more than just me that i'm not the only one who thinks this way so hmm. i need to continue working to expand and scale and reach the people who it needs to reach well cool Awesome. Well, now, now that we've kind of caught up to where you're at and as far as today, now looking kind of to the next six to 12 months, where do you think or see things headed? Are you going to continue to kind of do the side hustle with real estate or the second full-time job and uh, work with Samsung? Do you want to move into real estate full-time? Do you want to move into podcasting full-time? Or are you looking to get experience in these areas and go to different directions? So kind of close into what's the next six to 12 months uh, look like for you. Yeah. So the next six to 12 months for me, seem to be more towards my podcast and my real estate um in terms of my podcast i would like to i'm intending to have more guests and actually being in a setting where the guest is in the room with me you know sort of like a ellen degeneres or a oprah winfrey kind of scene mm. um just to have things more intimate and connect with the user the, the fan base and the audience uh, better. Mm -hmm. In terms of my real estate journey right now, I'm actively just analyzing different multifamily properties in Austin and San Antonio and Waco and just looking for my next position where I'd want to invest in. Um, so everything is a continuous process that I, I go through every day. Uh, mm. It's just being consistent and continuing to do it. Oh, cool. Well, that's uh, certainly exciting and, uh, and sounds like a, a fun, uh, fun path ahead. So, 
now as we've kind of caught up to where you're at today, a little bit looking to the future, as a, I always uh, transition over and ask a couple of questions at the end of these podcasts. We'll kind of uh, dive to those now. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Uh, yeah, I already know which one that, that stung a little bit. <laughs> uh, the worst decision, business decision I ever made was during the time I was wholesaling. Um, there was a house that I had under contract that was probably going to be one of my biz, my big, biggest deals at the time. Mm. And it required me to do a lot of research, make a lot of calls, a lot of digging to find out um, more about the deed of the property, what it was truly going through. And I realized that it was, um, it had, it had gone through like a lawsuit or something like that. So I reached out to the lawyer who I won't mention his name, um, mm. just to see if I can get some more information about the home because I was looking to sell it. And what, after I went to the lawyer, he was basically like, you know what, I can do this myself. Um, you can stay out of this. And I was like, but I've already done all this work. And he was like, all right, it's whatever. This is, this is business. So mm. he ended up taking, taking the home back and um, just putting himself in a position to sell the home himself. Mm. And it just allowed me to realize that as much as you want to trust everyone, that you have to be cautious Hmm. Um, and you have to move with caution in terms of uh, how you do business and the decisions you make in your business. Now, caution doesn't mean fear. It doesn't mean um, to be fearful of your decisions. It just means to truly think about every angle and decision that you're making. So that was the lesson I learned from um, one of my worst decisions. Well, I think that that's uh, it's an interesting one because, you know, it's not one that you're saying, oh, I've done all this homework, I've done all of this. And it's, you know, if I were to, a bit of the, the takeaway is, you know, you have to, as you get in the business world, you always, you know, and I'm this absolutely the same way, you, you know, you have the, hey, everybody's trustworthy, everybody will do a good job, everybody will be, you know, you know, will treat me fairly. And some, and most people do, and I'd say the vast majority do, but you always have to, and that's kind of whenever somebody asks me, hey, you know, should I get an NDA? Should I go disclose this to individuals? My always, my first thing is, well, you need to gauge the, whether or not you're able, or, you know, your level of trust or your level of risk when you're talking with this individual, if it's someone that you, you know, that you can, discuss things with and discuss them openly and have a high level of uh, trust with them. That's one thing. And if not, then you want to make sure to adjust how you, what conversations you have and what you discuss with them based on your level of trust with them. So I think it was definitely a, a, a mistake to learn from and, and one that's uh, definitely understandable. So now as we dive into the second question, which is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into it, a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I would tell them to be sure of yourself and reframe your thinking to where it's not trial and error, but it's trial and inevitable success. Mm. Once you have your focus on what you're doing and your goals and your goal for your business or your startup, that conviction will allow you to see whatever error or mistake you make along the road as a lesson to be learned towards that inevitable success. So 
I would just have, if I was speaking to someone, I would just let them know that everything is trial and inevitable success. There is no errors. There is no mistakes, only lessons to be learned. So keep progressing and don't expect perfection. No, and I like that because I think the uh, one of the differences between somebody that's as successful as an entrepreneur as a startup or a small business versus those that don't make it, you know, there's certainly some that goes into, do you have a good idea? Do you have, you know, good, you know, good business plan and everything else. But I think th- those that are willing to have the mind frame of inevitable, or, you know, at some point I'm going to be successful. I got to keep at it. Got to gain the experience, got to learn the things, got to learn what to do, what not to do and keep at it. Those are the ones that are eventually will find the success. And those that, Hey, I tried this for a week and it didn't work out. And I didn't, I, you know, I put up a website and I put some Facebook ads and I'm not a millionaire yet. Kind of a thing <laughs> is not the, there are the individuals that are never going to find that success because they're not the ones that are going to say, Hey, when I hit that first road bomb, I'm going to, I'm not going, I'm going to say, well, looks like I failed and then go back to it. So I think that that's a great takeaway from everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a client or a customer in your, you know, rental space. They want to be on your podcast. They want to be an investor in any of your businesses. They want to, um, you know, or be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach up, contact you or find out more? Uh, the best way to reach out to me is through LinkedIn. Uh, just O'Neill Mbakwe. O-N-E-I-L, M as in Mary, B as in boy, A-K-W-E. And there should only be one of me, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I certainly can't say that with my name, so that's a great one. <laughs> one, one of, or the only one with the name, so that's awesome. So, uh, well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, O'Neill. It's been fun. It's been a, f- a pleasure to have you on. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to apply to be on the show. Just go to inventiveguest.com and, uh, and uh, apply. Two more things as a listener. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player. So you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else, just uh, go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thanks again, O'Neill, and uh, wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much, Devin. Take care.